Back again, back again. You here? Somewhat. Somewhat? Emotionally. Long night. Long, long night. night. Long night, long days. So, what's the topic of today? Well, first, let's, let's, let's remind people, you know, who we are and what we do. So, this is Rhinos and Dinos. It's podcast number two uh, with Carm, with Len, of Third Coast Strategies as well. This is our offshoot podcast. Uh, yeah. Meeting in the middle. Meeting in the We're middle. Meeting in the middle. A lot has happened this week. Uh, globally and nationally, <clears throat> we have a we have a new speaker of the house. We have a new speaker of the house who is, is Italian American. Yeah, but but he's also look. You know, the, I, <laughs> he, he managed to unite the Republicans, which is no small feat. But I mean, he's a election denier. Obviously, a very strong Trump supporter. Uh, he's a creationist, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know how he got the votes. Well, so, I, mean, I they, mean, did they just say oh, whatever? They ran out. They ran out of people to vote for. <laughs> I mean. They ran through the entire party. Well, you know what's funny? I heard someone yesterday describe him as uh, like Jim Jordan in terms of like his policy sense, but likable. Okay, so maybe he has a certain level of charisma. Yeah. That he was able, you know. I don't know how that goes to his ability to work across the aisle or to work within his own party. I mean, look, I mean, it's still to be seen, but the fact that he was able to get 100% of Republicans to back his speakership. It says a lot. Yeah, given what had, I mean, because even McCarthy, like, that vote of no confidence, like, that was, he, what what was it, six or seven ballots that it took him to just get elected? Oh, no, absolutely. So, you know, he was never in a position of, hey, this is, you know. He couldn't dictate. He didn't he have was a mandate. Not coming, yeah, he did not have a mandate. He was yeah. not coming from a position of power. But I want to go back to the fact that this is now the third consecutive Speaker of the House that has some Italian descent. And that is a point of pride for me. And that's all I... I didn't realize Kevin McCarthy had a little Italian in him. Kind of like how, uh, what's, what's her name, had Native American in her? Uh, what's her oh, name? Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, right, right, right. Where One, did they come up with this stuff? They just make shit up. I mean, it's like, like I did, I did the, whatever it was, Ancestry.com, the DNA thing, I've done it. So it's interesting. I did it like five years ago and every like two to three months as they get more data, they update it. So like at one point I was basically uh, half Italian, half uh, like from, from the United Kingdom. So like, you know, breaking down Scottish, Irish, you know, British, whatever. And then like, and then like at one point I was like a third French Right, right, right. Um, and then that went down, and now it's sort of stabilized where I'm like half Italian and I'm half British, but then there's like one, two percent. Yeah, yeah. Like I have one uh, percent interest from North, North, uh, North Africa. Yeah, right, right, or like right, Cyprus, right, right. and you know, so yeah. it's, it's basically nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> no, nobody knows what they truly. Nobody knows. You uh, just have a guess. Right. You just take the best you can. Well, let's. But that was big this week. Um, other thing that we're gonna have to turn to. Because um, we're a little bit more into it now, I, I want to turn attention to what's going on in Israel Gaza Strip. Yeah, absolutely. As, as well, um, I'm starting to now see um, <coughs> the varying public opinions out there in more force. I don't know if you saw. Was it? That's what I was trying to look for. Yes, uh, Union Station, not Union Station. What is it? The big train terminal in New York. Oh, Grand Central. Grand Station? Central Station. Oh yeah, there was a uh, uh, protest. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I saw. I saw something like that. I. Well, okay. I, what I think is interesting about the war is, you. I mean, for I remember living in San Francisco, and this might have been twenty. Let's call it twenty fifteen. Right. Twenty fourteen. So almost t- ten years ago, and I remember there was a, a mall on Market Street. 
Um, and it was like a giant, you know, kind of mall similar to like, you know, the, the mall at 900 North Michigan. Right, 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 right. And anyway, so I'm in there and all of a sudden there's Next this topic, like, malls are dying across <laughs> America. <laughs> well, that, that store, <laughs> the, I, was in a, I was in a Nordstrom and that store closed down actually this year or, or last year, but recently. Anyway, there was all of a sudden, like very abruptly, it was a mob and I, I, I use mob, you know, yeah. I, I don't want anyone to think there's a connotation with mob, but it was just all of a sudden it went from zero people to like a hundred people. Right. And it was all a... Palestinian, a pro-Palestinian protest. So, right. and obviously th- those protests have been around for decades, even prior to that. But I, my point being is like, I have firsthand experience uh, in San Francisco seeing that. And uh, I've seen a couple of those in Chicago over the years as well. But I think what's interesting though, is you have a lot of uh, leaders, whether it's political leaders, business leaders that have more of a, what I've seen is more of a measured response. Right. Because you're trying not to marginalize your constituencies or your customers. You're trying to temper your response. Yeah. You may feel one way because obviously emotions are fairly high on this topic. Oh, yeah. Um, one way or the other. And then, it, but then it almost feels too like when you're trying to maintain a balanced centrist approach, you'll get attacked. You do. Like people want you to come out on the side of something. Yeah, exactly. They either want you to be pro-Israel or pro-Palestinian. And it's like, no, I mean, look, we could in the same sentence say what Hamas and Hezbollah and all of these, you know, militias that are backed by Iran and other, you know, anti kind of Israeli countries, like what they did, you know, in early October was deplorable. It was, I mean, like you can't renounce it strongly enough. But in the same sentence, you can also say... Look, I understand where just the average ordinary Palestinian who has, right. you know, they're they're caught up in this this sort of never-ending quagmire, and they don't really have any place to go. Um, and so you don't want to see those people, right. just similar to the Israeli people, you don't want to see anyone, especially civilians, you know, get killed for for absolutely no reason. And so I think that's where leaders have tried to, you know, strike that balance. I, but the thing is, is they, it, it seems like. And I don't know who it is, but in every topic, they want to push you into one of the extremes. Yeah. They, they, they want to push you to having a hard line approach. Like, I, I remember the old saying, like, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Well, yeah, okay. But when it comes to public affairs, public policies, or opinions, I could be a little bit in support of this and a little bit in support of this. But but it's like they draw lines in the sand. Yeah, well that's that's a, that that's what we'd call the fallacy of false analogy, right? Well, like right. like that's not an. I mean, the yes, okay. There's there's a dichotomy in you know in that context. Like you're either pregnant or you're not, right? Right, right, right. But here it's it's like that. What what public affair? What policy? What political issue is always boiled down to? One person is unequivocally right versus one person is unequivocally right. wrong. And, and I hate getting pushed into these debates um, or conversations with my friends and my peers where it's immediately a hardline approach. I'd rather just honestly shut up and not say a word and just listen. Yeah, I think that's... Just listen. But then, your silence. Your, si- your silence is complacency. No, maybe because I am not either educated enough on the topic or maybe because I just want to hear what's going on and formulate an opinion. Or, and then get attacked for an opinion. Or you run the risk of you know, saying something and someone immediately infers your intent. Absolutely. See, that's my issue with a and lot then, of... Now you're explaining it away. Now you're explaining yeah. it away. 
Well, no, no. My, my, How do people have this amount of time? Exactly. My issue, my issue with this is that if I have an opinion on something and you interpret it a certain way. Right. And, and I say, no, no, that's not what I meant. So, like, oftentimes what, what ends up happening is I'll say something, and I'm just speaking generically, but someone will say something, and that person will infer a different intent than maybe what the, the person saying it wanted right. to get across. And then to your point, it's like, oh, now you're trying to explain it. No, no, I'm not trying to explain away anything. It's like I literally meant A, you interpreted it as B, so I'm just trying to clarify what I meant. Yeah, that, right, that doesn't right. mean I'm... But they, everyone wants to jump down everyone's throat so much. And it actually, it's an energy suck. Well, I mean, just, just having to argue consistently, it's like... Well, what ends up happening is that people who are measured, who are a bit more centrist, who are a bit more modern, they just they just retreat from the from from the discourse right, right. entirely. Maybe that maybe that's why we don't have vigorous debate anymore, or the ability to achieve um, some type of consensus is because the moderates or the people who want to develop somewhat of a centrist approach are just like I, I give up. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what happened. Well, you can't win. You can't win. You I can't mean, win. If you can win if you're if you're discussing something amongst a group of people that feel exactly the same way you. Do. Right, right, right. If you're in your own echo chamber. But then the exactly. People, but people, then yeah. but then that has no benefit to society. Zero. No, you're you're you're. It's kind of like if I believe <laughs> in something, I will only Google. You know, if I believe the sky is red, I will only Google stuff saying the sky is red. That's Nothing. what we call confirmation bias. Right. You're you're just echoing the same things. That you believe in. You're not let going me, outside. Let me ask you this. So on, on the topic of world affairs, particularly, you know, Israel, what, what do you think? So th- true to our podcast, what do you yeah. think is, is sort of a moderate, sensible policy position? Understanding that, like, the reality is this is a conflict that's probably never going to be resolved. No, no, this conflict will not it's, be resolved. It's an ethos. Um, it's a, you know, ideology. I, I've seen how certain other state actors now take pertinent sides. Um, you know, those people, those nations in support of Israel, then you're going to have the traditional enemies of those nations taking support for Gaza. Kind of like in Syria. Where did Russia and where did the United States kind of line up? You know, it almost becomes a proxy war. You know what? So, you know what I can say? I see parallels to the Iranian hostage crisis yeah. where, you know, they kept those hostages for however long. And then when, what's his name, Reagan, uh, Reagan was elected president, yes. they knew that, like, yeah, they knew that there was no negotiating right, with, right, with right, Reagan. Right, right. And uh, I wonder, I wonder if there's parallels there to, to Trump, because, like, right. I think Iran knows that, like, you know, look, I, I let me just be very clear on here. Like, this is a moderate podcast. I am not a Trump supporter. However, I'm also not naive to think that world leaders may think that Trump is a bit more uh, aggressive, aggressive and unpredictable right, 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 than, right, right. than Joe Biden. I think that's, yeah. where, that's where a lot of people like Trump. Because you, you say to yourself, how did 200 years, it really started with the Monroe Doctrine, right, right? and sort of American exceptionalism. All of a sudden, we have 200 years of foreign policy based on you know, this idea of American exceptionalism and the Monroe Doctrine, right? Um, and spheres of influence and global hegemony. And so what ends up happening is that doctrine, that philosophy, that transcends administrations. And so it offers, what it offers domestically is predictability. And stability. And stability, which people right. like. But like anything, the flip side of that is on a foreign policy level, other countries can reasonably 
estimate your response to something. And Trump came in and, and they, it just threw everyone for a loop where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He, no, he might do something way right, right. different. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't do. know what he's going to do. We, we, we can't have our traditional calculated responses anymore. Correct. Because we don't know how far he might push back or, or where it leads to us. Correct. Our 40 scenarios we ran just became now 500 scenarios Correct. that we have to and, run. And by the way, those additional you know, 460, those yeah. aren't good for us. No, no, right, 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 right. These, yeah. these are not good. So, um, but I, I see that I can see this being something that um, the Trump campaign really, I, I, dare I say, exploits, but definitely brings into the fold in terms of their their campaign. They're going to capitalize on it. Capitalize, they're they're going to yeah. capitalize on it just in the same way the Democrats want to were capitalizing on the lack of having a speaker for a while. Um, now that we are back into business, I really want to see which way because now I'm starting to see the public opinion shift to a more pro-Palestine thing, but there's just as much pro-Israel stuff out there. I, I think that this is a very, and I, I'm not trying to pass the buck, it's a fucked up situation. Oh, yeah. It is not cut and dry. Um, I, I mean, you, this has been a hotbed, not just since its creation, since Israel's creation. It's been a hotbed for years. You have three world religions right there. And people are very... You always want to dehumanize your enemy. And it's just... That's what we've done. This is the result now. Everyone's dehumanized. But getting into the humanitarian crisis going on in Gaza, I did not know it was that bad. Oh, yeah. I did not know previous to that the majority of their supplies came from yeah, they're effectively, the United Nations. They're effectively trapped. I mean, oh, yeah. By sea, by land. Yeah. Egypt yeah. blockades and right, Israel right, blockades. No, so you're trapped. And I don't understand the Egyptian-Gaza dynamic. Well, I mean, I think there's, yeah. I, Are they just trying to not get lured in, thus blocking? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can tell you what I've heard and read uh, as it relates to this specific war, which yeah. is they don't want refugees. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, that, and they've publicly stated It seems to be an that. ongoing problem for, in, yeah. in the last 15 years. I mean, they've publicly stated that. Yeah. They don't, they don't want refugees. Right, right, right. Um, but I also think they don't want, there may be a fear of contagion, right, that they'll be somehow drawn into this regional yeah. conflict. Um, they have their own problems domestically. Right, right, right. So right, it's, right. Uh, you know, it might be... They're trying to build a new pyramid. Yeah, they're... Yeah. they're uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, all I know is what they've said is... Essentially what they've said is they don't want refugees, but they've long blockaded that even, you know, well before this specific right. war. Um, and where's the, where's the intertwining uh, of the West Bank? Where are they standing on this? Because they're still under the PLO, correct? Yeah. Um. I believe so. Anyway, yeah. And Israel's made no incursions into the West Bank, correct? I, from from what I've it's just see on the news. Yeah, it's in Gaza. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, which it's, I think they they did yesterday. Actually, they they invaded ground invasion. Really? Okay. I mean, I don't know where this is going. I also don't want to go into the whole. This is causing World War Three. We're not at that point. Yeah, no. We're, we're, not. we're not at that cooler heads. That's the thing is we always have to hope for cooler heads well, to prevail. If you think about it, World War Two, if you if you look at the events that preceded, yeah. you know, the quote unquote beginning of World War Two, right? I mean, those started, you know, seven eight years prior. Right, 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 right. right, With right. A lot so of, we're, we're we're several steps. Yeah, you know. And by the way, we have you know we're in a very different place than we were in right. the, the late thirties or the mid thirties. Yeah, you know, we have institutions are all. all economies are so intertwined. Right. No, and that's another thing, too. 
not to pivot for a second, but another thing that really kind of pisses me off is when people say, oh, why do we care about what's going on there? Why are we involved? Why are we giving money to this country? It directly affects our pockets. Yeah, and, and, and I don't understand. These people are like, do you really not see how, like take oil. Oil is probably the a, a example most people can resonate or would resonate with people. You see that like if there's issues where countries that are mass producing oil, right. you see that it increases our prices of oil. Right. So on a very basic level, that's super basic, yeah. you see that how something thousands of miles away can directly affect you here in the United States of America. So this like whole let's bury our head in the sand or let's talk about being isolationist, it's like, listen, you at this point, you, you need to educate yourself. Right. Because it, that's it just not how the world works. No. It, it's... I, I don't want to get too far into this topic because I'm sure that we're going to get pushback on this. Oh, well, you didn't take a hard line on something, nor should we. Um, I, and I feel, are we allowed to speak on this? On what? What specifically? On Israel or Palestine. I mean, we're allowed to have an opinion like everybody else. Right, right, right. But I mean, being somewhat detached from it doesn't yeah. make our opinion any better, but... You know, here here would be my hot take on it. If you're looking for something concrete, one, I don't think there is an easy answer. A lot of administrations have tried in the past seven, eight decades. I think it's and people much smarter than us have not solved this. Correct. I don't know if this is a a situation that can be solved. Well, think about it though. How because it's you're not fighting over anything. I mean, yes, you are fighting over something tangible, land, Right, right? right? But it's it's much bigger than that. It's it's also about this ideology. It's about this right to exist. Uh, it's about preeminence in terms of your beliefs. I mean, and, and I think that when you have an ideology that is the, you know, kind of foundation of this acrimony between two actors, right. it, like even if, even if the land were to, even if there was some land arrangement, right, short of a full concession by one of the parties, like that doesn't solve the land issue. Right. And even if it does, all it's going to do is breed resentment into people that are on the losing side. Yeah, right. So, like, right. there is no there is no consensus here. Right. It's it just it's one of those things where... Is this just another thing we have to muddle through? I think it's a muddle yeah, through. It's, it, uh, and that's sad to say that because there's obviously human lives at stake. But we're literally just muddling through this again. Well, look at... I mean, look at, look at Trump. You had the Trump administration. They had Jared Kushner as their, you know, kind of envoy, which I don't... I don't he had zero credentials requirements right. so i don't right. you know obviously that was nepotism at its finest you know and but but trump had a lot of you know resources money he was very pro-israel uh although sometimes his policies were different were very said. different yeah um that didn't solve I don't think it he knew the effect of his policies on you know some level. Ob- obama's record with the israelis was a little bit more mixed i mean they didn't necessarily always view him as is that friendly towards uh, Israel, and then you know you can go back to to Reagan and and other presidents prior to that Bush Reagan. But I but point is if you, if you go back to when this has been a mainstream global issue, right in the 40s, right after right around World War II, like it has yet to be solved. If anything, it's only become worse. Right, 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 and it's not going to be solved. Um, well, it's also not going to be solved because if you think about it, the global like we don't live in a, uni- a vacuum. Well, no, I, I mean, you have, like, think about it. You have Russia, you have China, you know, you have Iran is, is a fairly big regional kind of power. Uh, the, obviously, the United States. Like, there's, there's acrimony among the regional and global powers, right? And they have different incentives to keep things, 
maybe status quo or maybe exacerbate, like your example with Syria, right? Like if you just take out politics for a moment and you ask yourself, is, is the systemic killing of innocent people in Syria, which, which, which happened under the Assad, Assad regime, like who, who would support that? No one. But, but you see... But the thing is people did. But because... If people see stability for their own <clears throat> interests in having him there. Correct. Yeah. You have Russia, obviously have a... Russia takes a different perspective. Iran takes a different perspective. Maybe part of that is motivated by their, you know, hatred of, right. of the Western powers. Maybe some of it is like, no, this is just our interest we're protecting in this part of the world. But, but point being, regardless of what it is, whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise, it, it, it makes... Like, if Russia, China, and the United States all were together being like, hey, listen, this needs to stop. Now, right, right, right. Who, it would stop, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Because these countries play off each other. Like, they you, play, no, 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 because they're like, oh, well, this guy's on. It's a proxy. Everything's become a proxy yeah. conflict. You see these countries play off each other. They turn, you know, you see it in, you see it in Europe. Uh, they talk about it quite a bit where you have Hungary has turned, you know, towards more of Russia or Belarus, and then you have this country has turned more... Like, that was a big part of the Ukrainian crisis, is that you right. had, you know, Zelensky is much more pro-West, much more right. pro-EU. Um, I mean, and who was the other one? There was... Uh, who was the, the, the prime minister or the president that they poisoned? This was going mm -hmm. back like a decade ago. Um, I remember the story. I don't, I don't recall, but I, I don't know. And the thing is, is are we losing focus, too, because of what's going on there? there? I think there's just too much shit going on in the world that people don't have time to focus on everything. I'm actually starting to care less and less, truly. About politics? About, about, uh, about politics in general. There's just too many issues out there. Um, well, I, you, I feel you bottle it up and save it for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, but I feel like the people that are addressing the issues are probably not the most qualified or skilled. I feel that we've elected failures in so many positions in government, and this is the result. There are no more great statesmen out there, or stateswomen. There are no more Margaret Thatchers or Golda Meirs. Oh, you know, not even close. You know, there, there's no great statesmen anymore. We, we have a lack of competency in government, and I think that's echoed in other regimes, 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 regimes throughout the world. Well, I also think, to be fair... Because remember, like... Also going on, we have a migrant crisis. We have a crime crisis in Chicago. Our economy, are we? Uh, is inflation still, uh, you know, but, there's just too much going on. There's always this stuff going on. But it seems like everything's coming to a boiling point. But your point, your point begs a good question. It's what is, so let's just assume that that's true. What's the cause? Is it the people or is it the system? I think it's probably more the system. It's the system, but the system has allowed the people to act in such a way. Is this how dictatorships are? <laughs> the system has allowed the people. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Well, no, it's what I'm, what I'm getting at, though, uh, is I think what you're getting at, which is like, okay, I, I might have the competency and, and the intentions to do good. But, and this goes back to the core of the podcast. It's like, if you start even to, I mean, think about, Okay, we open this podcast with we have a new speaker. You know why we have a new speaker? Because Kevin McCarthy worked across the aisle with the Democrats. Yeah, right. right and Matt yeah. Getz, who you know was found not guilty of you know sex trafficking, which obviously that's questionable, um, 
goes in, pushes through a no confidence vote because he worked with Democrats. I hate to break it to you, but what? Okay, you have a 51-49? Yeah, right. It's not like it's 90-10. No, right, right. You don't have, like you said earlier, that mandate. You don't have this overarching. You have the slimmest of mandate. And let's be honest, the only reason you have it is history will say that the party that is in the White House typically loses Congress in the mid-year. And outside of that, it's all gerrymandered to hell. Yeah, right. So, like, if you... People are so safe in their seats and... Yeah, like, so my, my thing is, the reason that we're in this, so to your point, if you're now, um, who's in the street? Johnson? What's his name? Um, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson? Yeah. yeah. Or no, something like that. Wait, from, hold he's, on, hold he's on. He's from yeah. Louisiana. I, I, I lost track because there were so many that were nominated. <laughs> Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Not Michael. Right. Mike Johnson. Okay. Um, if you're him, I mean, and who you are as, as, as it is, is a hardliner. Right. right. You, you believe that the election was stolen, despite the fact that your own attorney general said it, so was, it not. was not. Yeah. Um, but fine. Opinions matter more than fact. Um, are you going to look at what happened to McCarthy and say, yeah, that's going to inspire me and, and give me confidence to work across the aisle? Or are you going to double down on this sort of isolationist only working with hardcore Republicans? I mean, as that's speaker, the problem. As speaker, you have to. <clears throat> Like work across the aisle. Don't well, you apparently mean? not. Not according to twenty. That's the thing. Twenty congressmen held this country hostage. Twenty. Right. Twenty. And by the way, Matt Gaetz, what to your point, what qualifications do you have? His dad was pre- like president of the Florida Senate. Big deal. Yeah. Right. Right. That Big deal. Impress me. Yeah. That doesn't impress me. I um. I don't know. I, I I think everyone there's just too much. I'm starting to feel information overload out there, and I'm starting to realize. I'm starting to become one of those people who's, I'm going to start voting with my pocketbook. Yeah, well, I mean... Because I'll tell you right now, uh, if people don't, you know, whatever's happening in the rest of the world, they're not going to care unless it affects speak, their Speaking pocketbook. of that, I have a great... Uh, let's, let's add some levity here. So I was reading this book. It's called, uh, Hey Whipple, uh, Squeeze This. It's uh, about advertising and copywriting. And it's by... Squeeze Lou- This? Hey, Whipple, squeeze this. Okay. It's, it, it apparently was a commercial in like the 50s or the 60s. I, <laughs> I had never heard of it. But anyway, so the author, Luke Sullivan, is a very famous, you know, kind of copywriter and advertiser. And he's, throughout the book, he shows a number of different ads to illustrate, right. you know, hey, if you want to have a minimalist ad or if you want to have just words or if you want to have pictures, like these are good examples. So he has an example from some casino. I don't know where it was. Maybe it was in Indiana, Michigan. And it was, uh, it was, he was trying to say, here's an example of where words can be very effective advertising. And it says, you know, Diamond Emerald Casino, walk in a Democrat, leave a Republican. That's amazing. And that was an actual ad. That's amazing. That was an actual ad. Wait, now I want to see, hey, Whipple, squeeze this. I want to see if this, like, what the original ad was. I got the book up in front of me. Yeah, he talks about it. I forget. And so he talks about it because... What he was trying to get across is that this ad, like if you look at opinions about the ad surveys, it was like universally hated. Yeah. But it was outrageously effective for like two decades right. of growing business. And so the idea was like, how can something that people hate and find annoying be so effective? And it's an interesting question. People like touchy. Well, there's a lot of studies that people like negative. People are drawn towards... Well, even in political campaigns, people... The, the negative is always more effective than the positive. Right. It's, it's Whenever less... we deal with a candidate who says, I don't want to go negative, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, especially if you're in a very... Well, especially um, in a binary race. Well, no, when, when it's close, you need to go negative. Well, I think because people are... 
but but let's people like negativity. People like negativity. This, they this do. Is, this is why the Colosseum was filled in Roman times. No, I mean the studies. People were killing each other. That's they, that's not even opinion. There's studies on it. You know, I mean, in the book that I reference, he yeah. he talks about several actual like very well known academic studies and um, kind of observational studies and meta studies that talk about people are drawn to a couple things. They're drawn to the novel. They're drawn to the useful, and they're drawn to the negative. Right. Like, those are backed up by science and research. And so, yeah, in, in a campaign setting and in a political setting, if you think about it, it's, it's always negative. When you hear someone talk, it's always about how the other side did something deplorable or bad or how the other side's bad or how the other side is, you know, this or, or that. It's never, let's talk about what was really, really good here. Because that doesn't draw people in. It's the same reason they like soap operas. People like soap operas. I mean, there's so drama. Bad. They're so bad. They're drama. I mean, no, 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 no. I understand soap operas, but it's like, who's watching this shit during daytime television? I mean, there's like... There's, I mean, they're terrible. There's so many, but they're like... They're running least, for like 70 years. I mean, have you ever watched some of these soap operas? I think I've watched in my entire life maybe 40 minutes of a soap opera at my grandmother's house when I was maybe like 12. And it's because you couldn't find the controller. And, well, so she made me. She made me watch. It was like oh, times I mean, of our the like days of our life. So, oh, and everything is so over <laughs> top dramatic. Did well, they have what? like books, weekly books. Oh no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, this is a serialized type of thing. It's so, every, you Google how many people watch soap operas. I guarantee you, it's probably twenty, thirty million. It's probably a much bigger audience than we think. It's it's got to be. Let's see how many people ratings for daytime. It might be with keeping. Oh my god! In the business. bold and the beautiful, the young and the restless. How many people does it say? Like average viewers. No, no ratings. Daytime soap. Oh, here list of. Da- oh my god! Oh my god! There's so many. I know, and none of those are about like, hey, positive, positive messages. They're about you know betrayal, adultery, murder. Right, right, right. right. Like, I, I, I mean, but. People are drawn to that. You know what's funny? Actually, you know what's funny? Do you ever notice that... You ever hear the stat, like... And I'm just kind of making it up, but just by way of example. Something like, you know, the, the average kid, you know, average five-year-old will laugh like, you know, 2,000 times a day. And the right. average adult will laugh like 10 times a day. Yeah, right. Do you ever find it interesting that, like, kid shows have no drama aspect to it? It's all just, like, happy-go-lucky yeah, comedy. Absolutely. Wait, 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 wait. That's why I enjoy watching shit like that. Yeah. I'm like, not going around watching children's shows, see, but I like to watch, like, the mindless stuff. Did you ever see Barney try to solve a murder? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Like, it, that doesn't exist. Well, no, this is why I like to watch, like, people like, oh, it's a childish... I don't give a fuck. Who cares? No, it's fun. I want to watch pointless shit. I want to enjoy myself Speaking somewhat. of Speaking of pointless shit, older dads... Oh, okay, so last week, this week it was released? I think this week, yeah. I, I really appreciate older dads. It was funny. It's it's almost like everyone's being so misunderstood. Um, well, they and and I was worried too that they were gonna like overplay it like they overly. Didn't. I least, thought it was a perfect yeah. balance. They, they achieved the balance on that show. That listen, this isn't a Grammy or not Grammy um, Emmy Emmy award winning show. It's not gonna win the Academy or anything, but it's just kind of a. Oh, yeah, I can see this. What's the problem here? What's the problem here? It just, yeah, it's a little play on kind of contemporary uh Yeah, standards. attitudes. I really like the part. I'm not going to spoil anything. If you, if you want to watch, I mean, 
I mean, this not is the like gripping gonna, story. Not like it's going to spoil much. No, but at the end, the woman who ran the daycare center, you know, you're spending oh, yeah. $20,000 a month that she was embezzling the funds. And just the attitude of people in these types of things and what parents have to do nowadays to fit in not just with other parent groups. Because you, you ever notice so many people nowadays base their friendships based on who their kids hang out with? And I mean, there's I, such incompatibility I, there. I don't have kids, but I know that you have a lot of friends. Well, I have friends with kids, too, but I know yeah. that you know, you're probably closer to that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there is. The incompatibility. You have to mold yourself to that friend group. Yeah, I, well, that's why I think, you know... You oh, my have, God, that'd be horrible. I mean... That's the point of older dads, though. It is. I mean, it, it's cool. a, what's, what's the other It's a bit contrarian. I was in Boardwalk Empire. I forget his name, but he was also in. Uh, he was he also about a breadstick with a bow tie. Oh, oh, um, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, Cannavale. yeah, yeah. He was funny, and I love when he's with the. Uh, the so there's a scene where they're at a uh, strip club, and uh, you know Bobby Cannavale in the movie. He's like he always talks about how in shape he is, right? And right. he, you know, for however old he is. Oh, then they said it's your neck. It's your neck. He's it's like, it's your neck. How old do you think I am? And she's like forty six. And he's like, how did you know that? And he's like, it's your neck. <laughs> neck. And he's like, what do you mean it's my neck? And then you start feeling his neck for the rest of the. <laughs> it was good. It was good. No, it's I thought good. that was a good. That was a good program. Also, just released. Getting Gotti or Get Gotti. You know, I watched. I just the watched first, episode one I yesterday last night. I like. Here's my thing with with. I don't think it needs. And to that be, story's been told a hundred times. Yeah, I, that's for me. I don't know how they're unpackaging it again. I I can't. I watched the first episode and I'm like, all right, it's fine. But I can't. I I know the story so well. It's like there's really nothing else that. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I you, won't. You know what else aggravates me is when something comes out on TV, but it's already had a mass following. I feel like I miss something. Yeah, I know. Like I'm trying to think what's a good example. Of okay, that. like 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 let's just say um. Game of Thrones. This is, it already had a pretty big following and then it came out on TV and that just shot it up over the You know, the I've top. only seen one episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, it's incredible. If you take out the dragons and all the fantasy bullshit, it's the purest show about power and politics that I've ever seen. See, what I don't like about it is I don't like the, I don't like gratuitous violence. Like, right. if it's like violence. <laughs> there's a lot of that in that no, show. No, I know, I know. Like, if it's like violence. You saw one episode. You know, I think there's maybe 60, well, which that, means, yeah, there was a lot of violence. That's what I'm saying. Like, you watch a show like The Sopranos, you know that violence is, is going to... The violence there is kind of, like, appropriate violence for right. the story that they're telling. Whereas, like, in Game of Thrones, it's like, does, does a guy really have to have molten hot silver thrown on his face? Yeah. Like, does that really need to happen? Maybe, maybe, maybe it does. Every other scene. Or does dogs, hungry cane, uh, cane corsos need to maul someone to death? Yeah, right. No, no. Um, I'm trying to think what else came out recently. You know what's a good show? Zero, zero, zero. It is a weird show. It's only one one season, but it's it's an... See, this is what people have to do, this mindless stuff. This is why there's such success in entertainment now. Can I tell you what zero, I did? Wait, is it zero, 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 zero spelled out. So it's, it's... Wait, I watch this. Is there a second season? No. No, I watched the first season. I remember it's this. It's the Italians, New yep. Orleans, and yep. the Mexican drug cartels. Yep, yep. I remember this. So... It's funny. Is there going to be a season two? Hold on. <clears throat> Lenny always used to say that if he won the lottery, he can entertain himself with Netflix, Amazon. And I don't so know if there's a season two. I kind of did an estimate. I put together a list of all the movies and TV shows, and it's probably not even a complete one. 
and then I just did like an average time of like an hour and 40 minutes per movie or whatever. Uh, and then I estimated the TV shows. Just on the list that I put together, if you were watching TV eight hours a day, obviously you're sleeping eight hours a day and you're doing something else the other eight hours a day, whatever, you would have enough content to watch just in what I put together, which again is incomplete, for four and a half years. Just what you... Just what I... And that's not even new stuff. This is just stuff that's already out there. It's like, I can't stay on top of it anymore. The yeah, stuff well, you, that comes out... You, I mean, you put it in your calendar. I put it in my calendar. I, I, I have a list. And then I also keep track of after I watch a show. Just so, you know, I take little notes on it so I can remember it, too. Let me, let me ask you something. Getting back to... Because I know we're... You know, we, we try to keep these podcasts around 45 minutes or so. So just getting back to what we, we talked about. On the... Just to close it out. On the Israeli conflict, war, I should say. I don't want anyone to take issue with how I characterize it. I, I, it's definitely a war. Um, what would be something that you think the Biden administration could do to at least help de-escalate the situation? Not solve it, because I don't think, you know, at least in the short term, there's a solve. But what do you think one thing that the Biden administration could do to really help kind of de-escalate this and help, you know, people that on both sides, right, Israelis and Palestinians that are trapped, you know, kind of in the crossfire and, you know, in this humanitarian crisis? I want to say two things. One, initiate a conference with, an, with all the interest, interest, eh, interested parties. Interested parties. Um, and that also means bringing to the table the other actors in the region, so Russia, whoever. Um, bring those people to the table, kind of like the way... Clinton did with um, Yitzhak Rabin mm -hmm. and um, Arafat. <clears throat> that, that's one thing. Also, you've got the, I think the USS Gerald Ford parked off the coast in the Mediterranean. They ha that has nuclear reactors. You could provide power to the, Gaza, uh, to the Gaza Strip. Or you could set up temporary hospitals, humanitarian aid. I think they've already instituted some humanitarian aid. The they have, says. yeah. It, was, it um, was held up, but it was released, yeah. You know, at a certain point, you, you know, just create something. I, but I think America will have to be the one, and the West, will have to be the one to initiate the conference. You're going to have to bring the parties. You know, everyone got their bad blood out now. You, you had your fight. You had your war. Okay, now it's let's draw back. And that sounds like a very sick approach I'm saying, but I'm saying it's like sometimes people do need to release pent-up rage uh, every so often. It's not working. The system they have in place right now is not working because rage, rage, rage builds up, clash, everyone cools down. I think Biden has to bring people to the table. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think... Um... I definitely think there needs to be some sort of, and, and maybe they already have this, maybe they're already thinking of it. I definitely think there needs to be some sort of conference in place, uh, right. to your point, bring the parties together. And, and look, this is not naivete. I, I'm under no illusions that that's going to solve no. the problem even a little, but I do think it would show, I think it does a couple things. One, it sends a very strong message that the United States is very much interested in not having a war, a regional war that could potentially spread to a larger <coughs> war. Right. I think secondly, um, it provides the sort of diplomatic cover that can help with the humanitarian crisis in terms of like de-escalating the actual military uh, fighting on the ground. But I think most importantly than that, I think what it should do 
is very, very much be a very strong show of support against the Iranian government and against their, their backing of Hezbollah and Hamas, which right. are obviously, you know, the ordinary Palestinians, um, they may not like the Israelis. Like the ordinary American. Everyone's just trying to fucking live. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, just trying to fucking live. Yeah, like the ordinary Americans. And you keep jamming shit in our fucking faces or fucking us in some way. Yeah, that, that, and that's my point. It's like the ordinary Palestinians, I'm, I'm sure they might not like the Israelis. Or, right. or, or they may not love them or whatever it may be. But I, I certainly don't think that they want a war with anyone because they're already in, in a place where they're barely scraping by. Right? Just like right. a lot of people in this, in this world. Um, but I think where it's going to really, really come into play, and I think this would actually do a lot for the Democrats in terms of de-escalating the war, but also in terms of domestically Biden's chances, which I don't know how he wins an election, um, I think a very strong show of power. I still don't think he's going to run, but I think that's a topic for next time. But continue on. Sorry. That's all I was going to say. I, just, no. I, don't, I think that Biden and, and this administration needs to come across and say, Iran, this shit's not, it's done. We're done. We're done doing this. Like, he, well, there's like, going like to be Burke really Kreisner big fucking consequences. Like, like Bert Kreisner, the liberal art professor opened the door. This shit is over. <laughs> at, at a certain point, I, I do believe we need to become more assertive with Iran. Yeah, we do. For, we do. for, the, for their actions. Um, and, you know, not for nothing. And, again, it's not the Iranian people. It's, it's the regime. Not. That country was on the cusp, I want to say, a couple times now. Um, of new revolution, to say it that way. Um, they're still killing these fucking poor girls. Well, they, there's, a, there's a, another person, I think it was a... What the fuck a, is wrong with these people? A guy that was killed because he was doing something, or there was some... Yeah, there was something I just read. I can't remember what it was, but I thought the same thing. It's like, you're, you're literally killing your people for, for infractions that are, like, minuscule. And I understand to them it may not be minuscule, but, like... And yeah, I, to, to a certain point, when everyone wants to preach tolerance, that's where I start to draw the fucking line. Yeah, it's like... I'm, I'm, at that point, I'm not going to... Your actions, those people committing those actions, I cannot respect your ideals anymore. Well, and here, here's, here's my take on it. Here's my issue with it. Everyone talks about, like, this is our culture. And it's like, that's fine. That is fine. I understand that. However... I have my own culture, so I am absolutely going to judge your culture by the standards of my Well, absolutely, but here's the other thing, too. Don't get me wrong. Wage gap in the United States, I'm not... We have our own battle of the sexes here. There's a wage gap. Um, The the pro-choice, pro-life battle. Well, just the number of people that are homeless and impoverished. The homeless and impoverished. But at a certain point, then... I'm able to judge your culture based on my own, too. Well, yeah. When they, I think something's right, I'm like, hey. You, well, you, but here's the thing. You no longer. They expose their hair, and now you're going to kill these poor things. They're, they're fucking kids. You no longer get to justify what you do because of your culture. Like, no. listen, we live in a global no. world. Like, unfortunately, your culture no. may need to evolve with the cultural standards of the entire world. Now, Am I able to walk into a corporate boardroom and act like Tony Soprano? No. Did you see? That's my culture. Would it get shit done? Probably. Well, on that note, we will end with Tony. Always love the great. No, you were just saying late. something. Did you see? Or did you lose the thought? No, I lost the thought. But I, I think we're wrapping up anyway. But on that note, we'll end with the great, late James Gandolfini yes. as a, a way to close out this podcast. Well, as always, we appreciate you all listening or watching or doing both. Uh, this is, a, like I said, our second podcast. There will be many more to come. Give it's, us ideas. Yeah, ideas. Give us ideas. This is mostly just a sit around on a Sunday morning and bullshit.
Monday afternoon, but sure. Mo Monday afternoon. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks all. Take care. Bye.